Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mariner's Middle Innings. I'm your host, Curtis Christensen. This is the first time I've been back on here since the lockout was lifted, and baseball is back, and it is back in full force. This has been a great little week and a half since I last recorded a podcast about the Mariners possibly trading for Brian Reynolds once the lockout ended, and they have not traded for Brian Reynolds, and I don't really think we can see that coming now. But the Mariners have been very busy. Baseball has been very busy. I was honestly disappointed when the lockout first ended and then nobody really signed right away. I was totally expecting teams to have been talking during the lockout, trades to be announced, and free agents to sign, and for people to have been working on deals during the lockout, even though they were technically not really supposed to. But I don't I was honestly really surprised that every team just kind of sat on their hands and just did their own thing internally. I think that's very weird, and I wonder if teams were just afraid that if they announced a trade or made a free agent signing right after the lockout, that if another team had been doing that and they had been a little upset that they didn't get the player that they thought they had, let's say that, uh, let's make up a scenario. So let's say the Mariners had this trade offer for... Luis Castillo of the Reds, but then the Angels came in and traded for him as soon as the lockout ended, and the Mariners could say, hey, the Angels were tampering because they clearly must have talked during the lockout, and then MLB could investigate, find out that they did, and then the Angels get punished in this made-up scenario because the team that thought that they were going to get a player did not, so they took advantage of that to kind of be upset that the other teams would be kind of petty. So I was ultimately really surprised that nothing happened right away, but boy, have tons of things been happening. The A's are imploding. They're trading away all their players. Anybody that John Boy Media has interacted with has been traded. Uh, they're another baseball company. They were down in Arizona and were around a bunch of guys like Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, Amir Garrett, Jesse Winker. All those guys got traded. And so I think that was actually really funny and really coincidental. And that was pretty cool to see. But now focusing on the Seattle Mariners, they have made a big-time trade. The Mariners traded with the Cincinnati Reds to acquire outfielder Jesse Winker and third baseman Eugenio Suarez in exchange for Brandon Williamson, Justin Dunn, Jake Fraley, and a player to be named later. And on the surface, this trade is just incredible. The Mariners get Jesse Winker, who was one of the better hitters in all of baseball last year. He was a little injured last year, but he had a great season, and he's been really, really good throughout his career. And I am stoked that he is in the Mariners organization now. And Eugenio Suarez, they were able to get Winker and him for such a cheap price because Suarez is making some money, but in my view, not a lot. And the Reds were really just trying to shed payroll. And so Eugenio Suarez comes with three years and about $33 million left on his contract and a... $15 million club option after those three years. So that would be in 2025 for that club option. So he's making about $11 million a year. And he did have a bad year last year and the worst of his career, but he's had some really good seasons. And he was actually really similar to a Mariners player from last year that a lot of people loved. And I don't think a lot of people see Suarez and this other player in that same light. And Winker comes with two years of arbitration control remaining, so the Mariners have him for two more years. He is 28 years old, and Suarez is 30, so two guys kind of right in the middle of their prime. 
Swore is probably a little towards the end of his prime, but I think he's a great bounce back candidate. And I think this is just a really good trade because you get an absolute star hitter in Winker. He's not a good defender at all. He's kind of opposite Mitch Hanniger. He's left-handed and plays left field instead of right field, but he can't really play defense any better than Mitch Hanniger can. So he's probably mostly a DH and the Mariners might have some really bad outfield defense this year, but Winker is going to mash. So I think it is totally worth it. And Suarez has huge power and can play third base. And I think he's a prime bounce back candidate. And I'll get into more about that in a little bit. But then the package that the Seattle Mariners sent to the Reds was not much at all. They did trade Brandon Williamson, who I am really high on and think he's a potential number three starting pitcher at best. But ultimately, he's probably a number four, number five, but he's probably a quality big league starting pitcher. And the Mariners have a lot of that. So it was pretty easy for them to trade him because they have guys like Levi Stout, Matt Brash, Emerson Hancock, Taylor Dollard, and of course, George Kirby at the top of that list. But they have a lot of depth with that. And if the Mariners want to win in the next couple of years, they're not going to have a future rotation with Brandon Williamson, George Kirby, Levi Stout, Matt Brash, and Emerson Hancock. They're not all going to they're not all going to get to the big leagues. They're not all going to succeed in the big leagues, and they're not going to fill up the Mariners' rotation because they have proven big league guys there now. And they're ideally going to add more, which I will talk about towards the end of the episode. But Brandon Williamson hurts to give up, but in this package, it had to be done, and it was totally worth it. Because then you traded away Justin Dunn and Jake Fraley, who are ideally not on the Mariners roster when they're trying to win. Justin Dunn flamed out as a starting pitcher, pretty much. He might be able to start in Cincinnati. He probably will start in the rotation for most of this year but I just don't think he's got the command to stick in the rotation. If he finds command, he could be a number four, number five starter, but I just don't see it. He's not been too good with the Mariners, and he was a fringe top 100 prospect when he was acquired in the Robinson Cano, Jared Kelnick trade, but he's not really done much, much with the Mariners, and he was probably going to be in the AAA rotation anyway, so you don't really miss out on a whole lot there. And Jake Fraley, ideally a fourth outfielder, he got on base for a lot last year. He had a really high on base for part of the season, then he got hurt, and then when he came back from his injuries, he wasn't getting on base to the same clip. And I just don't think that he's someone that should be on the Mariners roster if they're going to make the playoffs. So that said, I really love this trade. I think the guys that the Mariners got are going to be really good for the Mariners. They seem like really good guys. been listening to a lot of Mike Salk on 710. He's been down in spring training, and he's... Uh, sat down with Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker sounds really cool. A Eugenio Suarez, or Gino as Winker calls him, is sounds like a really fun guy. He always ends his press conferences kind of flexing, doing a thumbs up, saying good vibes only, guys. And I think that he's just a really good presence to have in the clubhouse from what I've heard. And if he, these two guys are just pretty laid back, pretty fun going, I think having these guys... Julio Rodriguez eventually, J.P. Crawford. I think that they're going to really balance out some guys like Jared Kelnick, who's going to be really tense and really tight. And I think if Jared Kelnick can play loose, he'll get back to his potential all-star level prospect status that everyone thought he had before he made it to the big leagues last year. 
So diving in on Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez's numbers, last year Winker played in 110 games, had some injuries, but he had a 305 batting average, which is great, an on-base percentage of 394, that is tremendous, and a 556 slugging percentage, which is also really, really good. He had a 148 WRC+. Plus. So he's 48% better than league average last year. And he had a 403 Woba, which is very high, and a 3.2 War. Not the highest War you're going to see, but a lot of that is because he doesn't play defense very well. And he also hit 24 home runs. He's not a pure power hitter. He's not just going to only hit home runs. Because you can see with a 305 batting average, he's really going to get a lot of hits, hit a lot of doubles. And I think he's just a great left-handed presence to have at the top to middle of the lineup. And he also controls the zone, which Jerry DePoto loves. He had nearly an 11% walk rate and a 15.5% strikeout rate. So those are both really good numbers for someone like him. He's going to be a really, really good hitter. I think he's kind of a slightly better left-handed Ty France, to be honest. And I think he's going to continue to have some really good seasons with the Mariners. And I think he's going to be a huge part of our success in this 2022 season. And even looking at his career numbers, he has a career 288 batting average. That is really high, especially in today's game. And especially compared to what the Mariners have on their roster. A 385 on base percentage for his career and a 504 slugging percentage for his career, which are both well above anything the Mariners have. And a 132 career WRC plus, meaning that he for his career has been 32% better than the average hitter in Major League Baseball, which is really, really good. And every year he's been in the big leagues, he's had a WRC plus of 111 or better. I think the Mariners just got their number two, number three hitter in the lineup. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. If he goes out there, plays 150 games, has a 300 on base, 300 batting average, excuse me, a 390 on base percentage, and a 550 slugging percentage, the Mariners have a very strong chance of going to the playoffs. He is going to be one of the biggest reasons the Mariners succeed in 2022, and I'm looking so, I'm so looking forward to watching Jesse Winker play for the Mariners, and then Eugenio Suarez, he has massive, massive power. He had a career-high 49 home runs back in 2019 in his uh, last full season before last year. So this guy's got massive power, right-handed slugger playing third base. And last year, he was pretty bad last year. He struggled a lot. He struggled during 2020 during the COVID year, but he was okay. He still had a 101 WRC+. But ultimately... He really struggled last year. He had a 198 batting average, 286 on base, and a 428 slugging percentage and an 85 WRC plus. But he did have 31 home runs. And if you look at his numbers and you think, hmm, who's a player that had a down year last year for the Mariners compared to his career? Really low batting average, a sub 300 on base percentage, and hit 30 or more home runs. That's right. That's Kyle Seager for the Mariners last year, who hit about, I think he had a 212 batting average, a 290 on base percentage, and maybe a 430 slugging percentage with 35 homers, and a sub-100 sub WRC+. plus. Kyle Seager was slightly, slightly better than Eugenio Suarez last year, and the Mariners paid him about $5 million more to do what Seager did than what Suarez is going to get paid this year for the Mariners. I think that 
Suarez is at worst Kyle Seager from last year. So you're at a net zero in terms of offensive production at third base, which I think is pretty good because Seager was a big contributor last year. But I think that the upside with Suarez is better than what would have come from Kyle Seager if he would have not retired and the Mariners brought him back in 2022. Because in 2018 and 2019, Suarez had WRC pluses of 135 and 130. He had a combined 8.2 war, combined 83 home runs. And if you put together his numbers from those two years, he had about a 275 batting average, about a 360 on base, and about a 550 slugging percentage. Those are great numbers and not that far off from what Jesse Winker was putting up through his career. And if the Mariners can get a guy who's going to have a 250 batting average, a 330 on base percentage, and hit 30 to 40 home runs if he stays healthy all year, that is an absolute beast to have in your lineup. He's not going to be the greatest defender at third base, but he's going to be maybe slightly below average. And if you're playing Abraham Toro there sometimes, then he's going to get some days off, get some DH days. I think he's going to hit absolute tanks in Seattle, and I am really excited for him. I think he sounds like a really fun, energetic guy, and I think that getting traded to a team that's now trying to win really hard and has Jesse Winker, who he played with in Cincinnati, and he's coming to play with Mitch Haniger, Ty France, Jared Kelnick. I think that he's going to be really ener- energized about playing in Seattle, and I think he's going to have a huge bounce back year at age 30. Some projections have him projected for about 30 home runs, 220 to 240 batting average, and a 110 to 125 WRC+. plus. Those are really realistic numbers for him, and I think he could really do that, especially hitting fifth or sixth in the Mariners lineup. And I think he's just a really good bounce back candidate and one that a lot of Mariners fans are probably sleeping on. And probably a lot of MLB fans are thinking, oh, the Mariners just took him on because he's making some money. His $11 million a year is not a bad contract at all. I think Joe Doyle said he only has to be worth about 1.2 war every year for him to be worth his contract in terms of war to money valuations. I believe most clubs value one win above replacement at about $8 million on the free agent market. So if he's worth two war for the next three years, then he's outperforming his contract, and I think he can absolutely do that. And he's got some interesting hair down the middle. It's kind of a dividing line. One half is black, one half is dyed white, which I think is pretty interesting and unique. But if he hits 50 home runs, he said that everybody in the Mariners clubhouse and on the coaching staff is dyeing their hair like his. And I think that if they did that, that'd be pretty cool because then Suarez hit 50 bombs. And I think that that probably means the Mariners are in the playoffs because if Jesse Winker performs, Suarez performs, Hanniger performs, Kelnick takes a leap, J.P. Crawford continues to be good, then the Mariners are probably in the playoffs. And I think that this trade really sets them up well offensively. I think it definitely puts their offense at least in the average category and I think it could be better if some guys pop and Julio Rodriguez comes up at some point and hits and I think that the potential lineup that we're looking at is going to be really really interesting so today is Friday March 18th and the spring training opener is today and the Mariners are playing the Padres and the lineup looks like this so you have JP Crawford batting leadoff then it goes Jesse Winker Ty France Mitch Haniger, Jared Kelnick, Eugenio Suarez, Abraham Toro, 
Adam Frazier, and Tom Murphy batting ninth. That's a pretty good lineup and much better than the one the Mariners ran out last year on opening day. Mariners had Jake Fraley, Taylor Trammell, Evan White, and Dylan Moore in their opening day lineup last year, and Evan White was hitting cleanup. This lineup now has six-plus really good hitters, and I think that all of these guys are at least average at their positions. I believe that the Mariners' catching tandem of Tom Murphy and Cal Raleigh will be average for catchers. They'll probably be a little bit low on the WRC+, plus, probably below 100, so a little below league average, but catchers usually don't get to 100. And I think that this puts the Mariners at least in the average offensive category. And if they make any more additions to this offense, I think it could be even better. I would maybe do the lineup with Adam Frazier batting leadoff, hit Ty France second because I think he has really good on base, hit Jesse Winker third because he's got some more pop, I think, than Ty France. Then you go Mitch Hanniger, Eugenio Suarez. I would hit ahead of Jared Kelnick just because I'd rather have Suarez getting more consistent at-bats in those pressure situations at least early in the season because I don't want Jared Kelnick to start to fail again, then start to press, and then really start to fall off a cliff again like he did last year. I think you can absolutely move Kelnick up in the lineup. I would much rather see Kelnick move up than down because it's easier for him to overperform, exceed exceed expectations, and then move up in the lineup, do better than I, I would much rather have that be what happens than he is lofted into these high expectations and then he fails because then that's really bad. And then you kind of got to hope that you can put Suarez up there and he's good. So I think putting Kelnick lower in the lineup to start the year is the better move. And then you have Abraham Toro and Luis Torrens, maybe Kyle Lewis DHing if Lewis is healthy. You've got J.P. Crawford batting eighth in my ideal lineup, and then you've got whoever's catching that day batting ninth. I think that that makes a really good offensive team, and I'm really excited for what this offense is going to do. So that's it for the offense for now, but we're now looking ahead to what the Mariners could do now that they have made this trade. So Jerry DePoto has said on 710, again with Mike Salk down at spring training, that they're looking to add one more starting pitcher, but they want to add one closer to the top of the rotation than to the back end of the rotation. And I think that this is really, really interesting because this probably means that we're not seeing Tyler Anderson. And I am so happy about that because I think that Tyler Anderson is pretty bad. And we saw him blow up last year against the Angels multiple times. And in that final game, he's five innings, two runs every single time out pretty much. And I just think that the Mariners can do better than that. And Jerry DePoto has said that they would rather give the back end of the rotation opportunities to their young pitchers because they think that the difference between a Matt Brash or George Kirby pitching out of the fifth spot in the rotation is not that different from Tyler Anderson. And I would agree with him on that. And I would like them to go add a middle to front line starting pitcher. And some of the guys that I think that they could target My number one guy is Luis Castillo. If the Mariners added Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds, I think that that puts them possibly ahead of the Astros in the division if the Astros don't re-sign Carlos Correa. But that adds a legitimate number two, number three starting pitcher. And then if you had Luis Castillo, your rotation would look like Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo, 
Marco Gonzalez, Logan Gilbert, and Chris Flexen. That is a really good rotation and one that could win a lot of games and a lot of playoff games. And I would love to see the Mariners go out and get him because I think he would make the Mariners rotation super good. But the cost might be a lot, and the Mariners just made a trade with the Reds, so I might see them not going back to the Reds for another trade. But you never know, so we'll see what happens with that. Another Red starter is Tyler Molly. I think he could be an interesting option. He's probably slightly better than Chris Flexen and Logan Gilbert at this point, but he's definitely a mid-rotation guy. So another interesting guy they could add there. And then the A's still have two starting pitchers that they have not traded. Frankie Montas and Sean Minaya. Um, I think that they could be pretty good ads for the Mariners, and they would bolster the rotation very well. Sean Minaya struggles with health a little bit, but if they were to add Frankie Montas, he's right up there with Luis Castillo in terms of a middle, the number two, number three starter. He would make the Mariners rotation really, really good as well. Pablo Lopez is a name I'm putting on this list for now. He's with the Miami Marlins. Not too sure what they're doing, but he could he could be somebody that they add. I'm not saying that they should. He might cost a lot, and he's not a frontline starter at all. But I bet that if Jerry Depoto makes a move for another starting pitcher and we don't see a young kid out of the fifth spot in the rotation, I don't think that we're going to know who it is before Jerry makes the move. I think he's going to make another surprise move. Not a lot of people thought the Mariners were going to trade for Jesse Winker or Eugenio Suarez. I'll actually toot my own horn here. I wrote at Soto Mojo that Jesse Winker would be a trade target for the Mariners coming from the Cincinnati Reds in an article that I wrote. So I did sort of see this coming. I didn't see it coming like this. So little bragging by me, but... I don't see the Mariners making another trade with the Reds for a starting pitcher like I was saying, and I would bet that if we see a starting pitcher added, he will be a surprise player, and we won't see it coming because that's the way DePoto operates. And then to wrap things up here, there has been lots of talk on Mariners Twitter about Trevor Story being linked to the Mariners, and if he wants to play shortstop, doesn't want to change positions, how much money does he want? Today, there was a tweet from John Heyman who said he was down to about four teams that he was choosing between some that he would have to move off of shortstop to sign with. But there were earlier reports that the Mariners offered over $100 million to Trevor Story. And I would be stoked if the Mariners signed Trevor Story because I think he could make them really, really good and has a lot of upside. And I think he would be really good at second base for the Mariners. I'm really high on Adam Frazier because I think he's going to have a really good batting average season for the Mariners and just be a really good offensive piece and a pretty good defender at second. But Story could be better. Trevor Story has more wins above replacement than any other shortstop since the start of the 2017 season. And that is higher than Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, anyone. I saw that on MLB Network, and that surprised me. I was like, wow, Trevor Story could be really good for the Mariners. He's not all power, not all speed, not all defense, but he can play a pretty good defensive shortstop, so I think he could play an okay second base because it's still an up-the-middle position. He could hit 20 to 30 homers. I would not be surprised if he did that next year with any team he signed with, and he could steal 10-plus bases. 
And I would like the Mariners to steal more bases in 2022. And I think that Trevor Story could be a great fit for them. And if the Mariners were to sign him, I think that the Mariners could pull off some interesting trades because then they would have a lot of guys in their infield. They would have Ty France at first base for sure, but then between, and then J.P. Crawford at shortstop for sure. But between second and third base, you then have Eugenio Suarez, who you just traded for, and Trevor Story, who you would have just signed. And then you also have Adam Frazier and Abraham Toro. So that's four guys between two spots. Frazier can play a little left field, and Toro probably can as well. But they also just acquired Jesse Winker, and Kyle Lewis will be in the outfield at some point. Julio Rodriguez will be out there at some point. You could theoretically put both of them on the bench, DH one of them, and have a really deep offense because the guys are going to get hurt throughout the year. But if you were to sign Trevor Story, I would contend that you could trade Adam Frazier, who has one year left on his contract, to the Philadelphia Phillies for right-handed starting pitcher Kyle Gibson, who is a veteran player just like Frazier, who's also in the final year of his deal. I think that might be an interesting option. I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but I think Kyle Gibson could be an interesting target for the Mariners, and you could swap guys in the final year of their contract. And that could happen possibly if the Mariners signed Trevor Story. They could trade Suarez. They could trade Toro. There's lots of options that they could take. But that is just some things that I think that could happen if Trevor Story is signed. So that was a pretty jam-packed episode. I thank you all for listening. This is a really exciting time for Seattle Mariners baseball fans. I believe 2022 is going to be the year that we make the playoffs. There's now 12 teams in the playoffs due to the new CBA. So that means that there will be six American League teams making the playoffs. And I think that the Mariners are going to be positioning themselves well to certainly be the number two team in the American League West, possibly winning the division. I am hoping, hoping, hoping that Carlos Correa does not sign with the Houston Astros or Trevor Story signs with the Astros. I think Story could be waiting on Correa because if Correa signs somewhere, then there's another team needing a shortstop, and they might overpay for Trevor Story. I just hope that Correa does not go back to Houston or Story follow him there if Correa leaves and Story goes to Houston because I want Houston to be as weak as possible for the Mariners so they can try to challenge for that division. And I think that the Mariners are going to have a really good season. And I'm really excited about this offense. Let me know what you guys think. You can leave comments on the podcast, or you can go to at M's Middle Innings on Twitter, or hit me up at Courtesy Baseball on Twitter. Thank you once again for listening. I am your host, Curtis Christensen, and we will talk more Mariners baseball next week.